Welcome, everybody, to After Further Review with Mark and John. I'm John Pelkey. There's Mark Ferreira. Hello, everyone. And <laughs> on the board, the man who makes all the magic, oh, Jeff er- Taylor. Hi, Jeff. The David Copperfield of podcasting. <laughs> you really are, dude. You really are. Oh, I my mean, goodness. Seriously. We would be... Where would we be, John? I mean, literally less than zero. Less than oh, zero goodness, without Jeff Goodness Taylor. gracious. I've always said it, Mark. If there was a uh, if there was a just God, my body would be rotten in a pauper's grave right now. But uh, That's a great way for it to start. I do. I, I love that image. I do. If there was if, if God was just Right. Yeah, you'd be in the, you'd be in a um, you'd be in a gutter, really, first. You know, I do not be, deserve uh, Edgar Allan Poe, really, the Edgar Allan Poe uh, demise. Yeah. Gutter in Baltimore. Yep. Yep. Drunk, probably uh, oh, poisoned yeah. by oil lamps. You know, there's all kinds of conspiracies about Edgar Allan Poe. Do you think any other sports podcasts have begun with one of the hosts saying that if there was a just God, he'd be he'd be gone I, and, I and, and so. evoking Edgar Allan Poe? Not any that are this good. Okay, I, I, I haven't. I've listened to Colin Cowherd for a long time, and I've not heard one Edgar Allan Poe reference. No, although he is my favorite by far. Really, he is yeah. my favorite by far. He is. Uh, he has. Um, shown himself to be a cut above all the time. And as a matter of fact, tweeted something out yesterday about uh, about the virus. And he was uh, quoting Dr. Fauci and said, the only person I trust. You know what I mean? And it's like, ah, probably most people in America agree with that at this point in time. That's what makes Fauci so remarkable is that no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, you trust him probably the most. Hey, listen, can you hear me moving my stool? You can, can't you? There's like all no. this. No, I cannot. Well, you can't doing during my, my last take, just moving your stool. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's about four answers that are largely scatological humor. And, you know, I don't care for that. So I'm going to stay away from it. Uh, I, but, saw, uh, I saw that take of yours. Uh, and I agree with six of, of the ten of things that you don't like that everyone else seems to enjoy. I enjoyed that one. You know, the, with a lot of people, the people chiming one. in on how much they hate lists. I'm like, you know what I hate? Hate people who have to say how much they hate lists. All right, let's just start there. If you hate it so much, which I don't care for them, just don't chime in. Like, if you really feel the need to chime in, then you might as well do the list if you have to let everyone know your opinion. I don't care for them either, but I just don't. Look at me, look at me. That's those people. It's like I have nothing to add here, but I I need you to, to validate me by likes. This is a black. This whole thing's a Black Mirror episode, I'm telling you. Oh, man. It's a good call. Yeah. Yep. It's a very good call. You know, uh, um, if you can cue up uh, Brian's uh, take there. Oh, here uh, we go. The yeah. Ferreira family get <laughs> it together. Does, it doesn't, oh, yeah. it doesn't take any queuing up. You just tell me you want to hear Brian and uh, then hear. Well, now, hold on. Okay. Hold on. Let's let's not put the cart before the horse. Here. Oh, boy. We're just going to oh, hear boy. some sort of random audio. No, no, no. This is Here's the, my nephew. This is one of our listeners, our Ferreira. former producer, our former producer, John Pelkey. You want to do Twain Hart podcast. You go <laughs> John, do that the, on your own the, beauty, the beauty of it is that that uh, most of Mark's family doesn't feel the need to point out that it's his family, but one of them does. <laughs> so it's not it's not feel the need to point out. Admit is what, <laughs> what's happening. All right, it's like, well, uh, no, no, we we're just workers acquaintances all right oh my god so we should actually let people know why because a number of people listening to this podcast may have not may not have heard the uh or seen the instagram live with both of us on which we got cut off a number of times and still don't know why or my facebook live which i did not do prior to recording this podcast for the first time because i'm dealing with a technical issue because i'm old and i don't understand technology um 
But uh, we, we, I think what we need to do is we need to preface what we're going to hear audio about because we actually took the time, and by we, I mean people other than myself, to come up with questions, poll questions to talk about, and people actually chimed in, both yeah. online, just written, and with audio, which 20, really surprised responses, me. John, 24 responses, John. How many? Responses. 24. Wow. Well, actually, 25 now, now that okay. Brett Winnegar has chimed in. Another right. an, another uh, family member. But, you know, you got to start somewhere. Got to start somewhere. Hey, your family likes you. Yeah. At, I mean, you know, I've, I live 3,000 miles away, so I think that's helpful. I don't have any family. That's the thing. My mom is 85 and doesn't have a cell phone, let alone a computer. Doesn't know what probably doesn't know what a podcast is. And and that's it. I'm an only child. I don't have really. Yeah, I, I have no one. We'll be your family, John. <laughs> Thank you. You're Thank welcome. John needs a family dot com. <laughs> there you go. You have Jody. I have my wife who, by the way, was listening to the last podcast when I came in here to uh, record this one. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's very nice. I'm which, getting man. I had to listen to it, which is, I'm getting good reviews from people. They seem to enjoy it. Yeah. And I, um, I did have one of our friends who said, hey, man, I'm listening to your podcast. And then he went dark and I, I he's not responding to me. So <laughs> I don't think that bodes well for his opinion. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. His opinion well, is fine. It's just not good. It's just right. not a, a good opinion. So this. interestingly, interestingly, we have uh, people chiming in. Uh, with voice memos about the two poll questions we have about the, the five best college football players you've seen during your lifetime. Right. And um, and also whether or not there'll be a baseball season. But Brian Winnegar, our former producer, by the way, for uh, the show that was called After Further Review, but on a different terrestrial station, uh, he chimed in with another total different take than those okay. two things, which okay. I think would be a fun place to, to jump off from before we dive into the um, – I'm all for it. I just wanted to set it up. Just random audio coming out of nowhere. I, all right. I, I wasn't a fan of Here's Here's okay. Brian's take. Fair enough. Mark, John, Jeff, Brian from Pittsburgh here. Hey, when Major League Baseball gets back up and going again at some point, do you think the Houston Astros scandal is even going to be a thing anymore? Is there just going to be a blip? Are people going to be just happy with getting back to everyday life? Baseball's back. And they kind of just move on. Um, I'll take your thoughts off air. Thank you very much. Former <laughs> <laughs> radio producer. What clearly. a pro. Oh, man. Brian, that is, a, that is an outstanding Isn't question, that? though. Isn't it? And, and I think I, I don't know, like most things, I don't know that there's a black and white answer to that. Here's, here's part of my answer. Dodger fans will still care. Yankee fans. Yeah, well, whatever. They're not baseball fans. They don't count. Um, but uh, Dodger fans are still going to care. But I, I believe that the vast majority of people who love baseball, myself included, will just be glad that it's back. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a baseball scandal versus a life and death situation and not even whether or not baseball is back. You know, people right. are going to be thankful they're past this threat health wise. Right. And they'll be thankful that somehow the economy and, and, and the things we are used to are, are back up and running. I think they'll be thankful for that. But, and I agree with you. So it's really maybe outside the Dodgers and the Yankees, it really will seem like a blip and seem totally insignificant. But then I did a little thinking. Oh boy. The Black Sox scandal mm -hmm. happened at the last pandemic that we had. Wow. That is true. And they, once that thing cleared, they went after those folks. 
So who's to say once this thing clears and once we're back to just right at each other? And well, timeline the- wise, it's a little different, though, Mark, because, you know, the, the pandemic was essentially 1918 and there was a 1919 uh, Black Sox. So, you know, people were back playing. And I, I get your I get your point, And I, I do understand that. And I think people will begin to talk about it after a while. I would equate it to the strike shortened year with no World Series and the Montreal Expos. I have people a- were so happy to have baseball back that it took a while for people to start saying, man, if 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 that hadn't happened, the ex- there would be no Washington Nationals probably, or they will have been, would have been an expansion team, and there would still be a team in Montreal. So I think people will come back to talking about the Astros, but I think initially people are just going to be happy there's baseball. I, I have a, a thought on that too. The difference between the Black Sox and the Astros is that the Astros were trying to win. I feel like there's <laughs> – uh, I think that makes it a little bit better – is as far as cheating goes when you're trying to win as opposed to being paid to lose. Well, okay. Let me let me take an opposite point, Jeff, because the 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 adage, I believe the adage, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying comes from baseball. And I think the bigger issue is the uh the not trying to win. I think that sits yeah, that's what I'm saying. More, that's more, why oh, okay. So you are saying, I thought were, you were saying, yeah. No. Yeah, I think that sits more poorly with people, Mark. Yes. So I agree with Jeff on that. I think that sits more poorly. It's throwing the game. Because, again, obviously, as we've seen with Pete Rose, and gambling is the, the big, big deal more than anything. But the, the on-the-field cheating thing actually has a pretty honored history in Major League Baseball. So at any rate... At any rate, I believe, you know, they technically say it's from uh, January 18 to December 1920 because I'm, I'm still I'm still on that. And they said that it ended, though, the, the pandemic portion of it ended uh, in the summer of 1919. So it okay. ended when they were playing. Right. So, so, yeah, you're right. That. But by the time 1920 rolled around when they were prosecuted for it, because they, no, no one did anything after the World Series. And I think. I think for the most part, 1920 went on without a hitch. It was sort of toward the end of the season when they yeah. started um, coming after these guys. But yeah, you're right. When you when you throw something, I mean, that's a much bigger scandal. Probably that's the biggest scandal that Major League Baseball's ever had. That's bigger than steroids. That's bigger than the the, the sign and stealing. So if you take those three as the top three scandals of all time, or betting on baseball with Pete Rose, let's say four now which is akin to the, uh, you know, the Black Sox. How would you rank those? How would you rank those scandals? Would you say the Astros is the least scandalous? Or would you say, or would you say steroids is the least? Oh, wow. I'd, I'd say, um, I'd say that steroids is the least. I would Every, agree. Everybody, everybody had an opportunity to get on board with that. And it seems like a lot of them did. So yeah. you still including Major League Baseball themselves. Oh, by right. the way, yeah, steroids doesn't make you a good hitter. It just makes you hit the ball farther and and more likely to be in the game to hit it. Right. Yeah, I think that's the thing that people uh, that people always forget about it is really. I think the largest um, uh, effect of steroids was the guys that wouldn't have been on the field were. Because yeah, un- until they couldn't be because the steroids caught up with them, you know, right, right. But rehabbing stuff, I mean, it really, really shortened the timeline for people rehabbing injuries. And that's why and we're, we're never going to have uh, and boy, I talk about a timely thing to talk about. We're never going to have the correct numbers because people did it and got away with it. I mean, guys like Wally Joyner admitted it years later. That, yeah, I you know, Wally Joyner's always was thought of as a guy 
pretty uh, straightforward, honest guy. But he said, I saw all these other guys who were rehabbing injuries with it and getting back on the field. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But um, I was getting a little bit long a tooth in my career. And, yeah, I did it. I think there were a lot of guys who did that that we're never going to hear about. So I think I think uh, steroids kind of permeated. I've always said just refer to it as the steroid steroid era, just like you had the dead ball era, and let's move on from it. And I think we largely have. Well, we haven't though, because Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds. Well, there is that should clearly yeah. be in the Hall of Fame at this point in time. Well, sure, they should. Yep, clearly, uh, one one hundred percent agree. Yes, and with and- with the with the uh, with the if you want to add to their plaque or whatever have sadly and, and embarrassingly i've never been to cooperstown but but uh you make mention of it make mention of the fact that this of course. was you know make a, a wing. Era. make a wing yeah yeah well i see jeff i don't know if i ever told you my idea about that is that they should make a wing for the steroid era and it should be six times larger than the rest of the building <laughs> would there be plenty of people to go in there <laughs> steroid hall everything's just huge <laughs> really it's like half the state of new york <laughs> right I, so you know, you uh, know really uh, going going back on the point though i feel like the steroid thing didn't necessarily catch up with those guys though because if you think about the two biggest steroid using guys potentially they played well into their late 30s oh yeah they yeah. played well yeah. into their late 30s yes <laughs> And so, but but they'll you know, I don't think they're going to get I, I mean, I, I think they're going to wait for the Veterans Committee thing or whatever it is. They're not going to get into the Hall of Fame in their first 10 years. And you notice that they they shortened it from 15 years as a, you know, recently retired player. You had a 15 year window to be voted in after your mm-hmm. five year waiting period. They shortened that to 10, of course, which is, I think, part of, you know, they did that because of the steroids because they didn't want to be too far out where people forgot about it. Right. And and they're going to wait and they're going to wait until, you know, it's it's the um, you know, they're going to wait for Pete Rose to die to put to put him in. I have said that forever. And they they're going to wait simply don't for the Veterans him... Committee for Clemens and for for Bonds. Right. You know? They simply don't want to allow Rose the no. honor of standing up there and accepting it. And while I believe Pete Rose has to, should be in the Hall of Fame, I will say the way he handled everything. Um, I. I I'm not sad for Pete that he's not in, frankly, uh, because I think, you know, the the way he finally told the truth is just bullshit um, and he should have handled it better. Um, but I, I, I think for baseball's sake, you, you can't have a baseball Hall of Fame without Pete Rose in there. That's just my feeling on that. Well, yeah, of course. Again, it's not the Church of Fame. It's the Hall of Fame. It's not it. It. it you know, if it were the Church of Fame, we could all gather there right now. <laughs> if it was in Tampa, yes, yeah. or another or Florida, areas. anywhere, Florida, yeah, yeah. That guy got Not put in uh, any, jail, though. Any, I mean, he got arrested, didn't he? The 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 preacher. He did. Yeah, he the did. guy in Tampa, he did. But there's an exception now with this stay at home rule that we have. And, oh, there is. Yeah, there's an exception for there's a church exception. Okay. Wow. Yeah. By the way, I want to clear one thing up that because I, I was listening to the the pod the other podcast. Oh boy, the, the here we go. One. Here no, no, no. We go. it's my I want to I want to I want to I want to uh, own my own mistake, Ooh. which is that uh, I believed that you could do a Facebook live with both of us uh, with mm-hmm. seeing by in, seeing both of us. But apparently that is not the case, because I said on the last podcast that it was the case. I just didn't know how to do it. But apparently that was an option that's been taken away. So I just wanted to clear that up, that I misspoke and I want to clear that up. Unlike some people, when I misspeak, I, I like to clear it up. 
Very not nice. that I'm accusing anyone else on this podcast. Cool. No, no, not really. at all. Really? Not I'm at all. Not. No, I understand that. Not, you're, not. you're accusing others far away right. from us. Yes, not accusing Perhaps anyone. maybe 800 miles or so away from us. Um, <laughs> Give or take. Uh, all right. So then if Let's we talk the about that. What's that? Let's get to the polls. We could do that, or we could stay on baseball. But let's let's do it. Well, know. I wanted to get to the base. I was thinking, and, and again, you know, I just, this is free form here. We're just hanging with Mark and John and Jeff. <laughs> no, uh, these are the polls. I'd lo- I'd love to get but it. But let's, the baseball let's start poll. with the baseball poll. Yes, the, exactly. The baseball poll, which I thought was really really interesting. I did too. And we had 19 responses for baseball. I mean, it's yep. 24 overall, but 19 chimed in about baseball because some people don't care about baseball, right? And uh, five said there won't be a season. I think all of them live in California, and then and then John Pelkey. So the other four are Californians. And um, fourteen said yes, there will be a season. Out of those fourteen, eight, uh, ten said there'd be half a season, which I think is optimistic. And four said sixty games, which is where I come down. Yeah, I think uh, mid August, if they can get it going by mid August and get their spring training, you know, quote unquote, spring training in prior to that be ready to go by august 15th i think they can get 60 games in take out a couple of, you know, take out a lot of the days off add yeah. a few double headers and i think 60 games would be fine 60 games is about what half of the season was in that strike shortened season you know i think they played about 50 to 60 games in each of those split seasons in 1981 mm-hmm. so i think 60 could could work but uh i think 80 is optimistic but 14 out of the 19, John, think that there will be a season. Yeah. And then and, there's five that don't. And we have a, a and few I fully, that have chimed I, in. Uh, I will fully admit I will fully admit that I go back and forth on this daily. And that there are days when I am with the no season and days with where I'm with the 80 people and days that I'm with the 60 people. I think 80 at this point is optimistic. I think 60 is a possibility. I don't. I guess a 50-game schedule is possible. I can't imagine that if they couldn't get in at least 50 that they would play. That's just my, again, my opinion on that. But um, I am trending towards, as of right now, I'm trending towards 60 games or less or no season. I'm kind of out of the 80-game yeah, uh, out of the 80 game column at this point. I just think if you start to look at it logistically, yeah, once again. And the other thing to remember is, you know, they talk about, well, these players need some time to get back, you know, in baseball shape. And, you know, you can stay in shape, certainly, but you have to play a live, you have to face live pitching and all of that stuff for a bit to get yourself back together. As this goes on further, that period of time not only starts later, but in my mind, it's going to be a longer period of time. So it's an exponential you know, situation. Best case scenario, and we'll get to Jeff's opinion in a second, but best case scenario is there's these 30 days at the end of April, then maybe May to kind of, you know, let everything shake loose, shake down to see where we really are. And then sometime in June, start the training and start mm-hmm. in mid-July. That's if everything goes perfectly according to plan. Right. My thing Which is add another 30 days of a buffer of like, you know, who knows what could happen. So now we're now we're perhaps maybe all the way through May in terms of a shutdown and then 30 days of a shakedown. (laughs) And then you start sometime in July. um, And uh, I think that is realistic. I mean, it's 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 hopeful, realistic, Mm -hmm. optimistic, realistic. 
but I think that it, there is a, a little bit of realism in there. Jeff, what, what do you think? Where do you fall on this? Well, it depends on when we get back to playing, because I feel like if we, let's say May 15th, which is extremely unlikely, but let's say it happens that they say, okay, we're going to start our spring-esque uh, training schedule, and we're going to do it for two weeks. So that gets us to June. I feel like uh, if they start playing in June real games, they can get half the season in. No? Oh, if they can start playing in June, yeah, I agree with that. I just don't oh, yeah. think there's any way they start playing in June. The, yeah, there, there's an interesting uh, take. One of our listeners uh, has a take. It's labeled Chrissy's take. And I think this is Chris Ayers, by the way, who is a uh, attorney out in California, brother of Russ Ayers, who I went to high school with. Uh, outstanding family. Outstanding Palos Verdes family. Uh, let's let's hear what he has to say about this. Hey, Mark, it's Chris. We're, we're going to have a uh, half half of a season this year. We're going to know more, and the players will will know what players are healthy, and uh, we'll be able to sideline people in case they uh, aren't healthy. And we're going to be able to have TV and about a half of a season starting in July. And uh, maybe a little bit later, maybe August, and then uh, we might have to change games to cold weather facilities. But we're going to have games. We're going to have spectators, not very many. But the main thing is we're going to have TV and we're going to have radio. And wherever we're going to be, we're going to be able to listen to the, the sounds of the game. And it's going to be great. And uh, even greater would be if Vinny would come back for a game or two. Oh, that would be sweet. I don't know about welcome, that. Welcome, they, welcome. Um, they signed a deal. They they figured out that the um, most of the city of L.A. shouldn't be deprived of the Dodgers, uh, as they have been for the last who knows how many years. And so they finally cut a deal, and it looks like the uh, TV Dodgers will be readily available now to people in L.A. Thank you, corporate titans, for finally figuring it out. <laughs> <laughs> so i i like that it's considered you know you have to yes. test the players obviously and see who's sure. healthy who's not uh, maybe have some fans out there social distancing and may, he said july or august mm -hmm. i think that's pretty well considered spectrum by the way finally signed a deal you know because the the folks of la could not see the dodgers uh during the course of the season because of some sort of bizarre tv deal and um and now they can so, you know, they're going to want to obviously try and take advantage of that new deal. So I think that's I, I, I sort of chi I, I sort of land where he where he lands, you know, I get very, that. very considered, very thoughtful. And you, um, let, me, know, let just me make sure everything everyone's safe going forward. But my, my question is, and yeah, I, I, I get that. And there's a lot of that that I buy onto. And isn't it interesting that the, the sport that is least well served by television may be saved by it. Um, but uh, the idea of only selling, let's say, 50% of the tickets in a stadium. I, mm, boy, I, I just question whether the owners – now, look, follow the money. Somebody else chimed in, and I think this is absolutely right. They said, you know, I, I think uh, a couple people talked about, you know, 50 or 60 games. As, you know, if the owners see that they can make some money, they're going to try to do that. And I get it, and I, and I don't fault them for that at all. But I'm, I'm just – again, let's go back to the logistics of – 50% of the tickets sold for games or some percentage thereof. Uh, 
I just well, if you take, again, we're in uncharted territory. I don't see that though. If you, I think if, if you take, if they start playing games, they're going to sell every ticket. But if you if you take the if you take the the let's say like the six every sixth seat they sell, and you social distance five seats in between every person, if it's like say are, aren't they aren't those stadiums eighteen thousand ish? Yeah. So yeah, no, I think I so think you, you can, can do, put, you can say yeah, that. You could put, but you're not first of all people are going to nobody's going to buy the bleacher seat and not walk down to, you know, the third seat from home plate or third seat row behind home plate. Are they going to have people policing that whole situation? I just I'm I'm dubious. Well, they do. They do in regular games. Yeah, they do. And I, I, I really think that they can and will do that. I know it gets more lax towards the end of the game in in regular times, but uh, and, no, and nobody's policing you at a Marlins game where you can sit. They're no. just so happy you're there. They take over your. But also, this is this is the other payments. thing. The the uh, the money that they make from the the butts and the seats isn't the same as the money that they make on the TV deal. If they play these games, they get the TV money. So and it, it doesn't I, change depending on how many people are there. Right. Watching. Which is which is my whole point is that I think baseball is the least well served sport television wise. Maybe hockey or the two that uh, I, I think it are are better sport. Really? Five, see, and I think that, most see, see. See, to me, that is uh, I think I think agree. baseball is great for TV. No, great for TV. He's saying it's not it's not served by TV very well. It doesn't oh, uh, no, they don't no, get I enough. Think, I, I you've think got the Sunday great. night game on ESPN. And then a lot of it, it, you have to watch on your local provider. There should be. And I, and I think, and listen, I, I do, uh, I, I do somewhat think that baseball is not a great television sport. Oh, I, I just, I, I disagree with I know you. Radio, it's the best sport for radio. radio it's the best radio sport. And yeah. I like it better live. My favorite sport is college football, but I would prefer to go to a baseball game than a college football game. Huh. Well, I mean, I understand that, but I think that, uh, you know, baseball, when you can really zero in on that battle between the pitcher and the batter, which you can these days, which is out. I mean, uh, the way TV is with baseball, the way they cover baseball these days, I think is outstandingly I know dramatic and and amazing. I think TV I, I serves watch, baseball very well. I watch no, almost I all of the games that I watch on TV, and I love it. I'll watch baseball on TV too, but I just I still think that, and I have absolutely no evidence to back this up, uh, which is which is the way I like it. I, I just think most people enjoy baseball as a live sport more than they do a television sport. That's any sport, though, they enjoy it more live. No, I don't agree with that. No, I think football. Think? I think the vast majority of people enjoy football more at home than they do really live at a game. Oh, yeah, I love going to a live, especially a college yep. football game. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy it, but I would, you know, a one game a year, that's absolutely plotting. For me, it's generally one every couple of years. I'll go to Gainesville, see a Florida game. But I think football requires the inst- uh, the instant replay more than baseball does. I think football, it, it just lends itself to a television sport better than baseball. And does. I think that I don't disagree, have- Mark, that they do good baseball broadcasts. I don't think there's any doubt about people would prefer watching football on TV than, than being at the game. But if you think about it, what you get from watching baseball on TV, again, the pitcher versus batter drama that happens every single at-bat, the close-ups of the pitcher, the close-ups of the hitter, you know, it, it, it is... It yeah, is, that's great in October, me, but nobody cares in June. Well, no, but nobody would care going to a game either in, Ju- in June either. It doesn't... You know, I you, think that... You no, I don't agree same, with that. You no, don't, I don't get agree the with that. same feeling 
when you're at a game than you do watching a game in terms of um, in terms of the stakes, in my opinion. The only sport that I've experienced that is by far better live than it is on TV is hockey. Yeah, and I love just, watching hockey on TV. It just doesn't translate. But I don't. I'm a neophyte with hockey. Yeah, you have I to think, know the sport to watch it on TV and enjoy it. I've I've realized that. Right. I what I have to go back to though is something you alluded to earlier, John. I can't believe that the Marlins <laughs> offer to take over. Oh, you didn't see that? You didn't see take that? Take over mortgage payments? Oh um, yeah, uh, that's remarkable. Like I I. That's yeah, they're playing a they're playing a three game series with Arizona, so it's like oh good. Oh. Lord Almighty, uh, not not a, not a huge fan base thing because the Marlins don't have a fan base, and certainly Arizona in Florida probably not much of a fan base. But I, I'm pretty sure now I could be wrong about this, and I have absolutely no evidence to back it up. Which but I believe like. they did have a. I did do believe they did have a buy a three pack of tickets to that game, and we'll assume your mortgage payments for eight months. <laughs> wow, it's Jeter That's down like, there, right, making those decisions doesn't seem fiscally. Fiscally uh, thoughtful or He rented his house mortgage, out to so. Tom Brady. Yeah. So yeah, I saw big, that as well. Check. Boy. All right. So that's a, a take of someone who thinks that the baseball season will come back. Let's listen to third try Amy Ferreira's take <laughs> on Old third try Amy ma- major league baseball. Yes. Oh, this is Amy Mark's little sissy. Uh, I'm weighing in on whether baseball season will happen this this year, and I don't think so. I just I think it's such a bummer. Well, it hasn't happened, obviously. We we missed uh, opening day, so if it were to happen, when would it start? There's that issue. Uh, would it start in June, July, and then let's say it does. Let's say people think, oh, it'll start in July. Well, I don't think the whole country will be out of the woods by then. And um, the last part is, let's say there is a season, there will not be any live games where people can go to the game because I, even when the whole country is out of the woods and we are past, you know, we flatten the curve, blah, blah. I think it'll be a long time before people feel super comfortable going to any lot you know um crowd sort of situation to any concerts or to sporting events i think that's going to be at least a year you know not that that would stop a se- a sporting season from because we can all watch it on tv from happening so uh but it definitely takes a huge chunk of the fun out you kidding of going to the games everybody wants to go to the game i mean you know baseball is so it's huge part of summer it's just so sad it's like football season had their day and then it was like then this hit you know right after football i mean poor basketball but anyway yeah so i don't think i just don't think uh there'll be a season i'm trending towards amy's position but i don't think here's the other thing i don't think if they can't sell any tickets that they'll play games do you That's think that is that is pretty dark assessment that it'll yeah. be a year before people feel comfortable? And well, I mean, there's about 38 percent of people who are comfortable right now. So you know, Tam- you're, you're you're one third filled up just from you know people that think it's a hoax. The Tampa crowd. Bay Rays oh, yeah. have proven you can play baseball without a crowd. Right, and I was going to say if they got a 30 38 uh, percent of of the seats filled in Tampa Bay, I mean it'd be banner years uh, for non playoff years for them. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. All right, that's. Uh, but I, I listen. I think that that was I pretty thoughtful. I think, too. I think there are a lot of people. 
I think I think there are a lot of people who will uh, forego issue uh, large gatherings for a while. Um, do you think it's I, a year? I, and I, I mean, honestly think, think that the, I, I honestly think that I think the college football and the NFL season are up for debate as well. Though I think we will have those seasons. I think there there might be delayed starts to those, and there may be some uh, some um, issues as far as filling stadiums at that point too because so college football so, so let's talk in last couple of weeks in august that stuff starts generally. let's talk about this i want i want both of your opinions gentlemen on this one let's assume we take all of april which obviously we're going to do and then we take all of may let's say we which i we, think we're going to do too which that's another 30 days mm-hmm. let's say uh in june we test the curve to see with you know a relaxed uh, rules about social engagement, maybe um, you know, maybe some restaurants are now open at fifty percent. You know, like you know, sort of how everything was prior to the uh, complete shutdown. We have that in June. We see if the curve stays flat. It does. And let's say in mid July, it's like people are start. You know, it's like things are starting to get back. And then by eight by August. You know, plus it's the summertime. Maybe the the same rhythms of of a, of a normal flu season kick into effect, and so it's sort of dead. At least it's dormant at the moment. Right? Would you? So mid August, would you be comfortable going to a concert at that point, John Pelkey? Yes. Uh, okay. See, of course you would. You yeah, would. I mean, you know, I mean, on a again, this is a you're you're presenting a scenario, and we have no choice than to. Otherwise, you're presenting a scenario that has so many um, there's there are there, so many ifs and, and there are so many variables involved in that, that uh, as presented by you as presented. Yes. yes OK, then, then I would definitely go. So um, that's only so. So so that sort of undercuts Amy's argument about it being a year before people feel comfortable. Well, I don't but I think there events. will be people who feel that way. I think there will be people who feel that way, just as there are people right now who think this it's it's not an issue and are continuing to get together wherever. So I, I you know, I'm just going to put myself in the if we go through things the way that you said and uh, and I am comfortable with the scientific people telling me what yeah. uh, with the medical yeah. people telling me what is uh, safe and what isn't. Then, yeah, under those uh, circumstances, I be- and I do believe that we will be doing this until the end of May. Uh, I don't think any of us are going back to normal work for those of us who are furloughed and don't have gigs until the beginning of June at the earliest. Um, and if the rest of the scenario works out that way, but I just think there there are so many variables involved. So, yeah, blue sky, it works out the way you just said, Mark. Yeah, I would go to a game. Certainly would. Which is, you know, from here, that's three and a half months, not a year. Right. So in but I think there are people in, who would not. Right. And, there will, and, there's and a baseball, percentage of people that would. But and again, here's the thing, Mark, though. Hold on. Let me let me just, just jump in here. And here's the thing about that, too, because, you know, baseball wraps up end of uh, October, early November. So they don't even have to go a year. They could just be, you know, it could be August and everybody's saying it's OK. And a lot of people and I think there will be people who say, you know, what, I'm going to sit out this year. Oh, boy, I can't wait for spring training next year. So I think that's possible. Certainly. For a, a large percentage of people, Jeff, would you be comfortable taking your family to a an event like that in mid August with with the scenario I presented? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I I, I don't know that I necessarily would be one hundred percent comfortable with it, but I think I'd land in that eighty percentile, which would make me go. Uh huh. 
I, I think I would too. I mean, again, John, I, I agree with you. Just rely on the science. If if they've if they've spent now two full months, June and July, uh, relaxing things, and the curve stays flat. Yeah. And and it's summertime, so the thing basically is dormant on top of everything else. Um, I think I'd be fine. You know what? Yes, I, but I'd remember. Worry- I'd worry about World Series and stuff when, you know, when winter comes back again. <laughs> well, that's, you know, the other thing is that the, the, the idea that this could peak uh, or ramp back up again in the fall when the weather sure. gets cooler is certainly a possibility. And I think that's another thing that would keep people away because I think a lot of them at this point are, and rightfully so, because they've heard a lot of different information, are um, picking and choosing the information that, they, that, uh, that drives them and... I think there's going to be a healthy bit of skepticism um, about stories that don't fit the narrative that you have kind of bought into at this point. Oh, you mean the narrative I presented just now? No, no, no. The narrative that's been presented by, you know, both medical professionals, politicians, uh, the media, you know, people are kind of picking their lane right now. And I think a lot of them are going to stay in that lane, even when they're told it's safe to go back to normalcy, whatever that is. Well, I will tell you that certainly that's the case, but the lanes are much less stringent than they have been in this country for a long time. For, I would say there's 70 to 85% of the country that's on the same page with how deadly this thing is and I how agree. serious we all have to take it. Least, and for the country to agree on 70 to 85% of anything, at least 66 and two thirds percent is, is remarkable. I think there's just about a 17. It's usually about a 17 to 20%. I don't think it's 33% at this point. I do okay. think that, I do think that there are people that when they, you know, from the top, when they hear somber news and it's going to be gruesome for the next two weeks from the very top, that they that they have that they they some a lot of those folks have rethought their position yeah. as a result of that. Well, I'll say this, and 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 to kind of wrap this up because I really want to move on to the college football uh, questions again because I found that very interesting uh, as well. Is that there are going to be a lot of difficult decisions made by people who make a fuckload of money, and uh, I generally have nothing good to say about most of those people, but uh, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. Come. June, because it's a decision. If you make the decision, if we make the decision that well, we're going to go back and then this thing ramps up again in the fall and you've had full stadiums or even half full, 60% full stadiums, I don't want to, I wouldn't want to, wouldn't want that buck to stop with me. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I do think people are erring. I, I do think that the vast majority of the country, 80 to 85 percent of the country is erring on the side of caution and i think probably will it might be 65 to 75 once june happens that are that might be that will still err on the side of caution in other words it might ramp up to about 25 percent of people that are going come on now come on now time to get time to restart the engine you know time to restart the economic engine you have to bring there's gonna that there's gonna be a temptation there you also have to bring all of those i tend to that there's going to be by June, John, people are going to know people. Everyone's going to know a, a few people that have passed. Oh, away. I already know. I, oh, I, I other than some of the celebrity, the parallelies and stuff of the world and uh, Marsalis, who passed away uh, yesterday or the day before. Um, uh, I, I know people who have it and have had it. Right. That's, but but I mean, we're going to know positive. people who who, you know, don't make it. Yes, we are. And, that, and yeah. that's going to hit home. 
pretty hard with everyone. Well, that's what I mean. There are so many variables involved, and it it it, it is a it, certainly a good discussion point for people like us who have to have things to talk about when there are no live games playing. But I just think right now there are just so many variables. If you look back to what we were even thinking a month ago, three weeks ago, um, two weeks yeah. ago, I so mean, it's well, yeah. Forty five minutes ago for me with the baseball yeah. season, I keep going back and forth on you do. But I do think uh, also I will also still say in midst of all of this crisis, follow the money. And if there's money to be made, people are going to try to play the games. All right. Now, John. But, but I, oh, can I can I just chime in with one other thing to Mark with the logistically you think about all this support staff that have probably been furloughed at this point in time. They're going to need some lead time to know that they're coming back to work because a lot of people are making other arrangements. And uh, so it's it's a it's it's going to be a big task to get everything up and running again for any of any of the sports leagues. So let me ask you this as we try and uh, pivot to college football, because that's a great topic. Uh, There are still some voice memos out there that are chiming in on baseball. And my thought and I want to see if you agree. My thought is that we play (laughs) we play all of them. Yes. So that they're they're not demotivated the next time to do Play it. Them all. Like, I'm all for it. All It'll right, also well, allow me to warm up my coffee. All right. So let's let's just see what Angels baseball is all about. This is hey, Brett for our crew. This is Brett from Temecula, California. I got a two part question for you guys regarding Angels baseball. Okay, Mike Trout, if he does not win a championship in his career, would he be considered the greatest athlete or player in any sport to not win a championship? And two, no. if Joe Madden pulls this off for the Angels, where does he rank in all-time great managers? All right, thanks, guys. Love the show. <laughs> all right, so first of all, Mike Trout. Has anyone studied his stats, by the way? They are remarkable. Yeah, he's a great player. They he's are Joe Charbonneau, even though I thought he was a number of years ago. It's, it, it's a better start than Albert Pujols out mm-hmm. of the gate. It's a better start than Joe DiMaggio out of the gate. Pretty good. Yeah. And he has been a top two, I believe. He's been in the league seven or eight years at this point in time. I think seven of those years, he's been one or two in the MVP voting. Mm-hmm. It is a remarkable start to a career. Sure. And baseball, and I think you'd agree with this, John, it doesn't depend on postseason performance like football at all. No, it's much more ba- statistically driven sport. It, exactly. You know, people like Willie Mays, who you know, played in two World Series, three if you count the 73 Mets, which doesn't really count. Um, you know, Ted Williams barely had any time in the World Series. And struggled and it, mightily. And, and so did Willie Mays. Play well, yeah. So it's it's not the same. You know, championships in football, especially from a quarterback position, right, is, is how we judge them, frankly. And that's just whether you agree with it or not, that's a great discussion to have. But it's the fact of the matter is, is that's how we do it. Right. That's not the case in baseball. Is there someone who has who would be better if if Mike Trout were to continue this for another seven, eight years? So he has a 15 year career of this kind of excellence of being the first or the second best team uh, player in his league for 15 straight years. Doesn't win a championship. Who would be considered a better player in any sport that didn't get a that didn't get a championship? Well, I mean, obviously, the first name that comes to mind is the obvious is Dan Marino. The other name, Barry I guess, Sanders. if we're working. Who's that? Barry, Barry Sanders. Sanders uh, also in football. Um, if you look at other sports, Charles Barkley. I mean, there are, there are a number of names that come up. But so, the first so one that comes up for me is Marino because the, uh, because of the statistically. statistical brilliance as well. But not over a long period of time. If you look at Marino, his first three or four years, 
he had these spectacular numbers, but there's a swath of time for him. And I know all my Dolphin fans, uh, including Riley, Pete Zicke, <laughs> I'm just going to name them by name. You know, all of them out there, they love Dan Marino for good reason. He was phenomenal, and he's a Hall of Famer, obviously, maybe the seventh or eighth best quarterback of all time. But he, he had a lot broke, of seasons where but he, he, had broke medi- career he had mediocre records. numbers, mediocre numbers. He broke career records, though, not season numbers, career numbers. He broke records. By the way, I'm more impressed by career uh, season records than career records when it yeah. comes to some of these things, though, because you can be a compiler. I mean, I, I think Fran Tarkenton was an amazing quarterback and played for a long time, but he held all kinds of passing records. And I don't think there's anybody who would step up and say that Fran Tarkenton was the best passer of all time. Well, I, I, I mean, I understand that, Jeff, and I think that's an important point. But when you're the best or the second best player in your in your sport over and, and Dan Marino was not the second best player in the sport for years and years and years at a time. There were lots of it's, other players that were better than he it's was. Diff, it's different, though, with football because the there are so many positions that that are are considered valuable so like running backs you say well the all these running backs were better than dan marino but were they it's hard to say where with baseball the guy's getting in there and he's hitting or he's playing in the field and other than pitchers everybody's up against the same bar and yeah and and in fact interleague play i think helps the argument as a matter of fact uh, because you you know you're you're actually there's a lot more um common opponents with, with interleague play. I know, but with, with a football player, they still vote on most valuable valuable player each year. They do. And he was not, I think he won one MVP award, and I think he was maybe top five two other seasons. Mm-hmm. He was playing and, an era of football where there was another guy who was so great it was hard to get over him. Well, a couple of them. But, I mean, even top five. Even top five. And, and yeah, there were a couple. There was John Elway. There was Joe Montana. Yeah. There was uh, Jim Kelly, I suppose, at, at some point. Um, just like all I don't the know. And Charles players. Barkley too. Charles Barkley had a great career, but it wasn't that kind of. I mean, I'm talking about Joe DiMaggio. You know yeah, what I mean? But, you mean Barkley is in what the he the hundred best NBA players of the century or the the, the length of yes. the league, not the century. Yes. So I mean, he is. I, I think he has to be in the discussion. He is. I agree. For guys but, who were amazing and it, sadly with, were yes. you know, the best player on his team, but more so than Mike far. Trout. You know, I mean, right. who, who, would have, alone? who would make a real argument about being that that would best Mike Trout? Because I think all of your arguments about these guys are, of course, valid, but I'm not sure they beat out Trout. I wonder, though, also uh, with with Mike Trout, you said if he has this career where he holds us up for 15 years, I think honestly, I think that Mike Trout is going to get a World Series ring. And I think it's going to be very soon because they added a guy to that lineup that is in the prime of his career and I believe is as good of, if not a better hitter than Mike Trout. He might not put up the same uh, home run numbers or uh, the the numbers may be, may be against me on this, but this is a guy that comes up in the clutch and and he works the counts. He swings at the best pitches. He, in my opinion, is an underrated hitter coming into that lineup and Anthony Rendon. Yeah. And I think that those two guys are going to It's a great one two punch. He's gonna they're gonna they're that's gonna put them over the top. He's gonna finally put somebody in that lineup. Right. Pool holes obviously in there with Trout, but not yeah. not 
Pujols in his prime. I mean, he was past his prime the minute when they signed Trout, Trout, yeah, yeah, started playing with him. Well, and not to mention the fact that they now have the greatest manager in the history of Major well, there League we go. Baseball. And you really the, believe and, that? And that's the next no. question. Neither I mean, do I. If, but if, I think he is. I think he is the best active manager in baseball. I, I think that I unfortunately for Joe Madden, I hate the way that he manages. He does these outlandish things where you he he changed the face of baseball for a bad in a bad way, in my opinion. I don't love all the shifting. I don't love all of these things that are very Joe Madden esque. And don't get me wrong. At this point in his career, I hate Bryce Harper. But the series where Joe Madden walked Bryce Harper every at bat that he came up, he intentionally walked the guy. Got in his head, yes, but made for bad baseball. It was an unfortunate thing to watch. Made for, for me. winning baseball. Uh, they now, they did win the argument, and they derailed they? Bryce Harper for the rest of that season. You could make the argument, however, that the fact that the Cubs won the World Series and the way they won the World Series. It, it doesn't matter. You know, the ends totally justified the means. That was great baseball. And that game seven was great baseball. That postseason well, with the I, Cubs. Yeah, they, they had to get away from all of his shenanigans, though, because that doesn't work in the postseason. Yeah, but I mean, it's not it's his recognizing what works at any given point in time. So the, the fact that it, it, you know, what works in the regular season doesn't always work in the postseason. Because obviously a shorter pitching rotation, it, there are any number of reasons why it's a different. It's a different more game. More likely to face guys that can hit against your shift, right? You're, and you're playing better teams. Period. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's obvious. So I think that actually speaks to his abilities as a manager. And I think he's won obviously in a low budget market in Tampa. Now a lot of credit has to be given at at any time you discuss to the baseball. GM. The front office and the GM yeah. of the Tampa Bay race because they still have, if not the best farm system in baseball, one of the top three or four farm systems in baseball. They've had such an exodus of talent over the years, and they're still – I mean, they were one of the great stories of the 2019 season, and it just got lost in in other great stories also uh, injuries derail they they would have been they would have been the story for sure no holds barred still talking about it barring injuries to pitchers yeah yeah so, agreed but now madden moving and then he goes to chicago obviously that's uh well documented what he was able to do there in a much bigger market with a lot of money and more acknowledged stars so the move out to anaheim or what do they call them now? The, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. They're the California Angels. Uh, now yes. he's moving about to the California Angels. I'm just that on this podcast, they're going to be the California Angels, just like um, San Diego Chargers. Yes, oh, I'm going to say that whether I want to or not. Yeah, and the o- Oakland Raiders as well. Um, but we're uh, so I think, old. I think we really are. Uh, I, I, they're going to always be the Oakland Raiders to me. I'm just up. I want my pudding. Well, I'm going to keep um, calling San Diego the Chargers until they move back to San Diego, which is inevitable. Oh, yeah, it'll happen sooner than later. Uh, but I, I think this move out here will do a lot to uh, solidify his reputation. But I do think he – I would say I think he's the best active manager. In if he wins the World Series, I mean, he has to be considered one of the greatest managers of all time only because how many managers have won with two separate teams? Right. And- Marky Anderson. Leland has gone to the World Series with two, two different teams. Mm-hmm. But, but has he won with two different teams? I don't believe so. How many? How many – Baseball managers have gone to two different teams and won. I have to bring something up, too, that uh, that has to be said. 
Is it Joe Madden or was it always his bench coach? Oh, I yeah. Who I mean, now has more World Series rings than Joe Madden? Yeah, I guess that that's the old uh, Bobby Cox or Leo or Leo Mazzoni yeah. argument for those yeah. great Braves years because he was the pitching coach. Yep. Um, Leo didn't obviously have as much. Success. Well, Joe Madden was the bench coach for the Angels when they won the World Series. Oh, okay, so they have the same. So they have the same amount of rings. In the Who's same the bench fashion, coach that Dave Martinez, great manager. Yeah, sure. Yep, great sure. manager. Uh, but I think, Mark, you have to even. And I know we, we used to have the Bruce Bochy versus uh, uh, Joe Madden conversation. But yeah, you, you've got to argue that right now in the discussion of best managers, active managers in baseball, Joe Madden is. Is Bochy still managing? No, he retired. Oh, no, yeah, he retired. So yeah, then, great then manager. Guy. I never got enough credit. Now, I was going to say, if he was still managing, then you don't have an argument for Madden. Well, that was the argument, actually, that Mark and I had forever, who the best active manager was. And now that Bochy's out of it, I still thought it was Madden. But now that Bochy's, you know, obviously it, it, it's not uh, it's not an, an, an issue. But I think Bruce Bochy, I will say across the board, I think never got enough credit for how good he was. Agreed. Well, he has three World Series rings. So he doesn't really care, probably. And he has a he brought the San Diego Padres to a World Series as well. So he's going to be a Hall of Fame man. It's oh, first sure. ballot. It's a, it's a lot. I don't, for him. Yes, absolutely. One of the greats and a Florida guy from uh, down on the East Coast somewhere. I actually know I actually worked with a guy who was in his high school uh, graduating. Class. I'm pretty sure he did steroids, though. So we'll have to see if he gets in or not. <laughs> they all did. Managers, everybody. <laughs> all right. Let's uh, wrap up the baseball stuff with uh, Bruce with the baseball season. Let's hear what Bruce has to say. To the question of whether there will be a baseball season this year, as much as I would like to see one, unfortunately, I don't think there will be. To the point. Uh, yeah, to the point. That's Uncle Bruce, by the way, if anyone uh, followed us back in the day. And any, anyone was wondering where Uncle Bruce was. There he was. <laughs> All right. So and then we have uh, two more. We'll do uh, we'll do Dane Becker's. MLB, my very talented uh, actor and singer and huge sports fan, Dane Becker, joining us. The short answer is yes. Uh, I definitely think Major League Baseball is going to have a season this year. If there's money to be made, Major League Baseball is going to make the money. My safe guess is probably a 60-game season, but I could argue why maybe a 30-game season could work. I heard someone talk about this on a podcast the other day, and the idea there is that each team in the American League plays two games against each other, and it's the same for the National League. So the World Series then becomes this first meeting of any team from the National League and the American League. Regardless of any of that, I think a shorter season is going to make baseball really exciting this year. I think we're we're up for some good baseball. It adds a wild card factor. Because the season's so much shorter, you're looking at rotating your players differently. You're looking at talent development differently, the way that you manage your roster differently. I mean, how many times have we seen a player get hot midway through a season, which is normally like 80 to 90 games deep? They don't have a chance for that. So it's going to make for a better, more fast-paced, more in-your-face baseball, more unpredictable, which is cool. Which, in the end, I think is going to be a big win for Major League Baseball. Because every single regular season game this year is going to actually mean something. And that's something very different for baseball fans. Wow. Good. Make some, that's some great points. I told you, a good sports guy. I love the 30-game thing, though. Oh, my God. And, and, and let me say, Dane brought something up that I'm, uh, I wish I'd have uh, thought to say because I thought about it the other day. Is I think one of, the, one of the first victims of any of this is going to be interleague play. Don't you agree? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I think, that, I think it's a done deal that there's no interleague play this year. 
Well, that was outstanding. Dane, Dane is better than you and I, John. Yes. No, I know that. Well, I, mean, I was, I was loath to actually uh, play that for that reason. Way more articulate. Yep. Way more to the point. Mm-hmm. Very much more pleasant to listen to. Yeah. And he's and young I. and good looking and, oh, yeah. and in shape. He's got an actual future. And yeah, he's you know, not he's sure gonna, why I'm even friendly with him, to be honest. Right. He's my I mean, natural enemy. He really he really is. He represents everything you're not. <laughs> That's so true. I'm kidding. All right. Final one. Leslie. Leslie's picks for the season. Five best college football players Oops. are. Oops. Oh, boy. Oh, wait a minute. Oops. That's uh, not a baseball take there. It isn't. That's right. my she, bad. Does she mention baseball later? Does she do the she whole does. thing all in she one? She does. All right. Well, let's let's move on to that then because I think it's, it's great, great and it was a fabulous. It was your idea, Mark. I'll give you that. Uh, and I know you stole it from uh, because people were doing it online. It was uh, no, it was Brian. It was our former producer, Brian Winnegar. Yeah, I, I saw it on one of the sports sites too. So I'm pretty sure Brian right. stole it. But good for he, him. He did. He did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but top five college football players of your lifetime. And it's funny because even after we made all of the qualifying stuff when we did the uh, Instagram Live, Facebook Live about you know it's somebody during your lifetime that you saw play either. In person, on television, you can't go back and say Jim Brown at Syracuse if you weren't born then, all that sort of thing. Um, we still had people, because I had somebody chime in and go, oh, you saw live, and they rattled off five Florida State players, none of whose names will I ever mention. Um, and right. uh, so it, what it really came down to was players that you would have seen on television or live. So, Mark, you and I have talked about this before, and I, Jeff, you probably agree. You, you really start becoming a sports fan around seven or eight years old when you start yeah. recognizing players. I think most people, that's when you start playing youth sports. I know they start soccer at like 11 months now and all kinds of weird crap. But for the most part, seven, eight years old, you start playing Little League or, or uh, football, basketball, whatever it is. Um, so that's kind of it. Who fits in that uh, in that uh, box? Because so I think Gale Sayers five, for you, huh? Of my top five, I think there's there's only one that I saw play uh, live. I think. So huh. it's interesting because one of our friends, uh, George Jorge from the club, remember, yeah. big cowboy fan. Yes, indeed. I don't. I think he's around my age, maybe mm-hmm. a, a year or two younger. I don't think he's that much older than me. And one of his guys was Roger Staubach. And there's, you know, yeah, Staubach played until, what, 68, 69? No, no. He actually, uh, his last year at Navy, I believe, was 64 or 65. Well, he won well the- that's, that's right. He took time after that to be in the Navy. Yeah, his last year was 1964. He won the Heisman in 64. 63. So you're not going to – I'm sorry. He Nerd didn't alert. Watch him play. He didn't watch <laughs> yeah. him play. No, no, he that doesn't count. He he misunderstood. He's a cowboy fan. So well, of course, misunderstanding is you know pretty much part of his DNA. If he's a cowboy, theoretically, so, he could have watched him play. Not in college. Well, yeah, okay, you're right. He theoretically could have watched, except for the fact that at that point in time, it would have had to have been an Army Navy game. Since back when Roger Staubach was in playing college football, they didn't there were five games televised all year. Yeah, and four now, of them were Notre Dame. You know, now, now do you see highlights and then you were alive when he was playing at Navy? Right. Okay, fine. You know, I guess that might count because he w- you were alive when he played, but you know, that's, that's a bit of a stretch. If you yeah, ask Bronco me. Nagurski was great in his day too, but you know, can't, can't. So, really. all right. So tell us yours, Johnny. Tell us your top five in, from, from the time you started watching. Now, now you, you, you came to college football pretty early. It's your favorite sport. Um, you know, some, someone like Brian Winnegar who brought this to our attention, he is a, uh, our former producer. He started around 98. So he was about 12 years old. 
I yeah. think that's probably perhaps a little a little different. You know, I think people might follow baseball or the NFL. I mean, I think they come to college football maybe a little bit later, but not you. You came to it very, very early, hence well, your, one of your picks. I, of your I, picks, actually. I, I, I'm a football guy. Started, started out as a pro football guy. I grew up in Washington, D.C., and college football, not really a big deal in that area. But I had family from western Pennsylvania, hotbed of football, and they were huge Penn State fans. So that was really the first college team that I was aware of. And that kind of happened right at the right time because I was nine years old in 1973. And that's the year that John Capaletti won the Heisman Trophy at Penn State. Now, I don't 100% know that I saw John Capaletti, watched much of John Capaletti on television. But I, I go with the fact that he was playing when I was obviously old enough to understand what the game was. He was the first Heisman Trophy winner that I was really aware of. And uh, I do remember him being a pretty dominant force for Penn State at that time. So my first college football player that I have a memory of who was a dominant player was John Capaletti. Yeah, and my first one was Jim Plunkett, but he didn't make the list because Jim Plunkett won a uh, Heisman in 1970, and I was a big Stanford fan at the time. Joe Theismann finished second, yeah. But uh, So go ahead. So Capaletti's your first. My second, and Mark, you'll know this one, uh, USC running back slash athlete Anthony Davis. AD. Anthony Davis in that era where it was just one great running back after another, uh, starting with Mike Garrett through OJ, and then that whole run with uh, Charles White, Ricky Bell, Marcus Allen. Yeah. Insane. He dropped in there right around that time, the early 70s. And uh, again, not a lot of television, college football at that time. And you'd always end up watching the Notre Dame-USC game. When I was a kid, I only remember Ohio State, Michigan, Notre uh, USC, UCLA to determine who was going to play in a Rose Bowl. And then Notre Dame football highlights, and you saw Notre Dame games and a handful of other games throughout the season. But I always watched the Notre Dame-USC game at the time. I rooted for Notre Dame. Now I root for injuries. Um, but uh, that Anthony Davis was as dominant a force as I ever saw. And it probably goes back to that Notre Dame game where I believe he scored four touchdowns and two kickoff returns. It was just insane. I interviewed Eric Parsegian at the ESPN club. who was the coach, you know, at the time for those who don't know. And I said, I'm going to say two words to you and I want your response. And I said, Anthony Davis, and he just hung his head and he went, shouldn't have kicked off to him. So that was my second was Anthony Davis. I was there by the way, on, at that game. You were. I was there at that game with my very good friend, and we were in the end zone, and uh, it, it was at the Coliseum, and Notre Dame had a 24 nothing lead at, at the half. Yep. And Anthony Davis, and, and they ended up losing 56 to 24, and Anthony Davis scored at least four, if not more than that. Yeah, he might have remarkable. scored five touchdowns. It was incredible. Look at Tom up. Marino also has uh, Anthony Davis as part of his, part of his, uh, yes, you have to go. Somebody's, no, it's, uh, time for your I, I, did little, I did a little timer. We're at an hour. We're in an hour. All right. I'll go through this a little more quickly then. Uh, the next one is Herschel Walker. And I think he, he ended up on a lot of people's lists. Yeah. Um, after that, I went with Doug Flutie. Sure. Because in, in addition to being a great player and just magical, I mean, he was a, he was a folk hero. If you don't remember at a time when college football was starting to become more popular, you know, it was 1984. Sure. Uh, ESPN was now had now been in existence for a while and was televising more games. So Flutie and then following that, Tim Tebow and you know, full disclosure, I did go to Florida 
But uh, that's it. And isn't it interesting that I jumped from 1984 to 2000 and, you know, whenever? Well, it's interesting because I think in terms of the top five vote getters mm-hmm. with you, with your votes for Herschel and Tim Tebow, that's nine for Herschel Walker. And and these are people these are you know 24 different responses. They each have five different names to, to throw out there. So right. ostensibly, there's 100 different names or so floating about. Um, Herschel got nine. Tim Tebow got eight. 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 Reggie Bush had seven, Bo Jackson had six, and Cam Newton had five. And what I love about that is that Herschel Walker and Bo Jackson are, at least in our lifetime, old school. You know, that's right. eight, that's eight, 1980, I believe, was Herschel Walker, 82. 82, right. And then uh, Bo Jackson shortly thereafter, 86, five, maybe, something like I that, 85. Yeah. And, um, and then, of course, Tim Tebow and uh, Cam Newton and Reggie Bush, you know, um, yeah, my uh, my honorable mentions. Cam Newton was in my honorable mention. So was Bo. Uh, the the issue about Bo's period of time in college from eighty two to eighty five was that's when I started college and my mind was elsewhere. Right. I wasn't really paying that much attention to college football at that point in time. And when I was in Gainesville, I didn't. You know, I was a poor college student. I didn't really have cable, and uh, most of what I caught was at friends' houses uh, on. Uh, for highlights or even just the, the local news. So I'm certainly very aware of Bo Jackson and I, I would put him at the top of the list of pure athletes in my lifetime. I think easily he goes there. Um, and, uh, but I didn't really, I wasn't really that aware of it when it was happening because I was in college and I was partying and it was about, you know, girls and having a good time and going to school. And I, I was, I kind of, it was about going to school ish. Yeah. Bo knows cheap beer and girls. That's it. Well, mainly, mainly those things. But my, he would have been in my uh, honorable mention. As would, uh, and I, I think he probably should have gotten more votes. Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel got a vote. Uh, I think he got one vote, maybe two, two votes on this. My top five, and and you mentioned that run of USC running backs, so starting with OJ, and maybe starting ending. with Mike Garrett. Actually, I believe Mike Garrett was before OJ. That's true. That's true. Mike, Mike he another won. Heisman Trophy winner, right? Mike Garrett won a Heisman yep. Trophy. Yep, that 1965, I believe. So yeah, starting there, then OJ, and of course I didn't really see either of them, and then and then you know Anthony Davis was in there, Ricky Bell was in there, Charles, Charles White, White was in there, but the one I think is the best out of all of them, Marcus Allen, and he's in my top five. Marcus didn't Allen Marcus was Allen play believable? Didn't Marcus Allen play fullback for the team when they had Ricky Bell and probably Charles White? Because what he won the Heisman in '82, Marcus Allen was it? Or Allen. Sounds yeah. about right. It's right in that period. Can, uh, Charles White think, was seventy nine. Ricky Bell was was maybe eighty one with Marcus Allen. Might have been. I think it was eighty one. Yeah, it was eighty one because eighty two. I, I believe Herschel was eighty two. Uh, yes. And George Rogers eighty. George, maybe George Rogers. Anyway, you're, you're the South Carolina guy. You tell me. So I, lo- I loved loved Marcus Allen. Okay. And he was. He was in the back. He shared. He was in that backfield with I think Charles White. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he played fullback. And uh, he's a great all around player. Unbelievable player. I would say Cam Newton. I had that that year, that final year of his. I've never seen. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. The way he just could control a game from the from the beginning to the end. Yeah. Uh, Vince Young, I think, um, in that realm of folks with with the Leinerts, with the Bush, with um, 
with, with some of those other great players at the time, uh, you know, what Vince Young did in that championship game, which still may be the greatest college football championship game ever played. That was a I, phenomenal. I cannot believe game. what he was able to do. Yeah. Um, and Jadavian Clowney, I, I have never seen a defensive player make that kind of impact in, in, in any, any game at all. I mean, really, in, you know, in the NFL, I, 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 I think you'd have to go back to somebody like Reggie White, but again, Tennessee wasn't on television as much, so we didn't really get, or at least for, for some of us, didn't get the full Reggie White in college. Right. But from everything that I've seen from highlights and stuff, he was a guy who could take over a game from the defensive yeah. tackle position. Well, even a Woodson who won a Heisman from a defensive position. Just right, a Woodson know. also played some offense and uh, returned punts too. So I think that the, you know that was a an all-around award more right for more than just his play at corner but defensively he was a great corner yes and but not the kind of he couldn't affect a game like Clowney. well it's a little more difficult from that position because if you you know if you are playing if you're rushing the quarterback or playing linebacker defensive line you're going to be involved in more plays more plays yeah because if you're a corner and you got a guy running nothing but skinny posts or deep routes on running plays, pretty good chances you're downfield. The only way you're making a tackle is if no one else does. And, and so, yeah, your effect little... on the game, and your effect on the game, is less likely to be seen because if you're locking down their best receiver, it seems as it. though you did nothing, but right. you did something huge. Right. You got to make picks and run them back for touchdowns and stuff, which which Woodson did. But I agree with you uh, with, with Clowney. He was uh, as dominant a defensive player as I remember. And you know Tebow, Herschel, you know Reggie Bush. Uh, those are all honorable mentions as well. But my fifth, who made the top five, in terms of what I saw, you know what I mean? In terms of what I saw, yeah. was Jameis Winston. Yeah, no, I don't I don't agree with that one at all. I mean, Not just because he went to Florida State, because I grew up a Florida State fan, even though I went to Florida. Why I, just you, don't, I think you put Jameis Winston next to Tim Tebow. I No. Sorry. Why is that? Well, I mean, Tim, Tim Tebow as a freshman and then winning the second national championship. And, yeah, he became par- partially a uh, a bit of a folk hero as much as a football player. But I just think on his impact on college football, there is absolutely no doubt that Tim Tebow had a much greater impact. Well, I think he had a bigger impact culturally, perhaps. But I think Jameis Winston, you know, it was because of him they won the national championship. Yeah, I, see, you're and, never going to get me on board with this. And one. that and I'm not that a game. That game was probably the second most exciting game. That game against Auburn for that championship was probably Good the second game. most exciting game uh, next to the Texas USC game that I've yeah. ever seen. Yeah, you're not going to get me on board with Jameis. And he Good. he came back from 24 points down. Anyway, that's just great college player, but I just don't think he belongs on a list with. Uh, Bo Jackson or Cam Newton, for that matter. No, I mean again, Herschel. again, yeah, Herschel is up there. You know, but it's okay. John Capaletti probably doesn't either. Ricky Williams got three votes. Deion Sanders got three votes. Greatly deserved. Barry Sanders got three votes. Uh, OJ got a vote. Uh, Adrian Peterson got a couple. Rocket Tony Dorsett uh, got votes, and that's a guy that I again seventy six. Oh, yeah. I'm twelve years old. I vividly remember that. Derrick Henry got a couple of votes. Um, I could have put Archie Griffin as well, and I know he got a couple. He did. Johnny Rogers got a couple. Uh, I know Lenny was one of them, our, our very loyal and ardent listener, Lenny. So uh, let's go ahead and take a, a listen to some of the others that okay. chimed in 
via voice memo. Let's go ahead and start with um, let's go ahead and start with Bruce. Top five college my, football players. My five top college football players are Marcus Allen, Herschel Walker, Bo Jackson, Reggie Bush, and Johnny Manziel. about that that's it's a good list i can't really that? find i can't find argument with any of those all right so let's go to uh leslie's picks for top five football players and remember this is going to start out with college football and then we're going to hear the baseball take right yes sir sure, let's let's go with it it's ferrera family five podcast. best Dwayne, college Dwayne football Radio. players are tim tebow reggie bush vince young mark sanchez and joe montana and wow. no, I do not think baseball will return, unfortunately. One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> Joe, Mark Joe Montana and Mark Sanchez. Yeah, I feel like there might be a little bit of uh, of West Coast bias going on there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Can't argue with the rest of that at all. But USC bias. Mark Sanchez. USC bias. Yep. Old Good dirty Lord. Sanchez. Where's the Rob Johnson on that list, then, for God's sake? Let's do Dane. Go with Pat Hayden first. Let's go with the 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 guy that should be hosting after further review. You know what? I've I've made a mistake here because I don't see Dane's football take. I think we played a baseball take for him. He's not going to take over. There's a there's a it says top five. It's an M M four A file. See it or not? I I will give me a moment on that. You guys. Take it. I, you know, it is it is funny, and let us know when you're ready with that. But it is funny, Mark, that you know, because people bringing up people bring up Archie Griffin, and my dad was from Ohio, and like I said, back when there was no college football, I watched Ohio State, Michigan, watched the Rose Bowl. So Archie Griffin was right there with John Capaletti as a guy that uh, was maybe one of the first guys that I was aware of. But uh, for whatever reason, Capaletti sits at the top of uh, of my list, and I guess it's just because. I knew I had relatives who went to Penn State and yeah. have pictures with John Capaletti. But he was another folk hero because he still gave what many believe to be the most heartfelt um, Heisman Trophy speech of all time. And if you haven't seen it, look it up. He had a, a brother who was uh, unfortunately uh, had cancer and he dedicated it to him. And it's just it led to a movie, for gosh sakes, with Mark Singer. Remember the actor Mark Singer? I do not. Television movie with Mark Singer playing um, John Capaletti. Mark Singer looked about 38 at the time. So, yeah, you had to suspend your disbelief. Uh, uh, This is this is way off topic. Mm -hmm. This is way off topic. Let's do it. The topic. Don't worry about actors that look a lot older than they are or Mm -hmm. a lot younger than they are. Mm -hmm. uh, The actor in A Hard Day's Night, which is your favorite film, which is in my top 10 for sure. Uh, it's, It's an absolute classic. And everyone agrees with that. Um, the guy on the train, the actor on the train, the gentleman, I think he's described as the gentleman on the train. First, like basically at the top of the movie. Yes. He comes I'm in traveling on this train regularly twice a week. So I suppose yes. I have some rights. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. He looks guess, like how old, guess how old he was when he shot the movie. Oh, he looks 70. Yes. He was 39. Good God. 39. He got all kinds of work because he was premature. Prematurely bald and prematurely gray. I think I want. I think I don't know if 39. I thirty nine. I don't think I said this on the podcast, but I remember I, I interviewed Abe Vigoda once, Fish and Godfather actor Abe Vigoda. Sure. Who, when he was playing Fish on Barney Miller, I think was like you know the same thing. He was in his early forties and he looked like sixty five. 
And Abe Vigoda said to me, he goes, and I'm not going to do an Abe Vigoda impersonation because, and he could not have been any cooler. He said, eh, that way from the beginning, first role I ever had, elementary school, I played the grandfather. <laughs> so, you know, you find, hey, you find whatever find your, your, niche. Uh, your niche is. I've been trying to convince my wife that my niche should be William Conrad. <laughs> I've Look got up, the top folks. five for Dave. I just want to be able to get fatter. That's all. All right, I Jackson, actually you, lost weight during all this, so I'm not going to be William Conrad. Good for you. What? What uh, did you find it, Jeff? I did. Okay, let's Dane, Becker, Dane Becker, future host of After Further Review, Dane Becker. Hi guys, it's Dane Becker. My top five best collegiate football players since I've been watching collegiate football, which admittedly is not a very long period of time, include oh Joey Bosa, Justin Blackman, Cam Newton, Derrick Henry, and the real master of taking a knee during a football game, Tim Tebow. Justin Blackman, Oklahoma State wide receiver, I believe, Justin Blackman. Yeah. And can, draft bust for the Jacksonville Jaguars. What is he? What is he? 13, Dane Becker? 14? Seems like it by his list. <laughs> no. 14, 15 years old? No. Some of those guys are still no, in college. <laughs> he's just kidding. He's a, he's a very young man. He's a very young man. All right, I'm going to list uh, some of the, the names we have. Uh, our gr- very good friend, Riley Claremont, chimed in with Chuck Foreman because he watched the uh, the U. Grew up in Coral, Coral Gables when he was yep. there. Yeah. And Chuck Foreman uh, recruited by uh, Charlie Tate, oh, by the way, Trudy Bruner's uncle, who was the head coach of Miami at that point in time. Philip Rivers. Trudy is Mark's better half, in case you're yes. listening and don't know. Better half, Trudy so We've met the whole family. Now it's... Yeah. No, no, that's, that's now that's, the girlfriend. So we're just waiting for. We're, we're trying to get as many subscribers as possible. She's Got a it. subscriber, John. She's a yep. subscriber. And as we've talked about, I have no family. I'm literally Oliver. <laughs> Would nice. you do anything Musical for us? theater reference. Well, actually, it's a it's a literary reference. <laughs> um, all right. So we have uh, we had a, a vote for Manziel. We had a couple for Archie Griffin. Three for Barry Sanders. Desmond Howard got a vote. Pete Zicky. Um, Sunny Six Killer. Oh my goodness, that's Tom that's... Marino. Sunny Six Killer. It, it's a pack. It pack eight probably at that pack time. Eight, Washington, yeah, yeah, Washington quarterback. Wow, very that? nice. We got couple for Ed Reed. Couple for Rocket Ishmael. Yep, that's we a good got one. one for Woodson. We got one for Tommy Frazier. Very now. Tommy college. Frazier is a great one because he was yep. dominant on perhaps the best college football team of all time. Yeah, there is no doubt about that. Ray Lewis got some love. Great. Charlie Ward. Well, this is this is the uh, the list. I I put Charlie Ward ahead of James Winston to be quite frank. Really, uh, with hands down, hands down in my mind. Charlie I Ward. I agree with that. Over over Jameis Winston. Why 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 is that? Tell me. Uh, I think Charlie Ward could do more to affect uh, the game than Jameis Winston could, and he was more exciting to watch. Much more exciting to watch. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I think th- I think that was a better, much better team, and uh, than the one Jameis quarterback to the national championship, and they they only won that national championship because of a missed field goal, ironically because they had lost national championships because of missed field goals in prior years, uh, earlier in the season, so they didn't have a chance to be there. But uh, I think that was a much better team, that 93 Florida State team. And to me, Charlie Ward, you know, yeah, obviously could could do other things on the football field, but Jameis Winston was a better quarterback, and I think that well, was maybe traditional quarterback, but Charlie Ward, a team. Charlie Ward was a precursor uh, for um, – 
for, for guys that you see today because he played, he was a point guard, obviously, long time successful NBA point guard, and he played yep. the game a little more like a point guard. No, I understand that, and that's a that's a good thing to be if you're a quarterback. There's no doubt about it. But I don't think it's hands down by any stretch of the imagination. I I, I thought Charlie Ward was, you know, he was fine, but he to me he wasn't. He didn't. Great player. He didn't. Uh, he wasn't fun to watch for me compared to Jameis Winston. Jameis oh God, Winston, no, completely. Jameis true. Winston was. It, it was like watching Brett Favre play. A young Brett Favre, a gunslinger, like willing like, his at, team to Atlanta do Atlanta Falcons. Brett Favre. Right. New York Jets preseason. New York Jet legend Brett Favre. Wow! Wow! The the best the best uh, the best t shirt uh, kind of. You guys of. hate Jameis Winston. I, I I don't hate him. I just don't uh, I don't see I don't I don't I I don't see the 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 beauty in him that others seem to. But the best t shirt that I've ever seen is when uh, Brett Favre originally went to Minnesota. Minnesota played a game in uh at green bay and uh, the fans wore shirts i said we'll never forget you brent <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah ricky williams got three votes uh, as well he should uh, no doubt johnny rogers got two votes right and again i just i'm i'm familiar with rogers more through and again i was with 71 when rogers won the heisman trophy i think or is yeah. that pat sullivan and all pat sullivan know? i think was 71 rogers i don't know to tell you Maybe, the truth you might not have even one, I think he did. Maybe seventy. Any in, in any case, uh, you know, guy I'm not as familiar with, uh, even though he's a contemporary of guys like Capaletti and Archie Griffin, who I was. And then Vinny, Vinny Testaverde. But see, I'll tell you, he won a Heisman Trophy. But I'll tell you that that Miami team in 1985 was dominant, and it was his performance. If you ask me, yes, Penn State stepped up in that game. Wasn't that 86? Was I think it was. I think it was the maybe 86 uh, game. I think it was the 85 season, but I could be wrong. It could be 86. Um, but I I think that game – now, who was it? Shane? Who was that that linebacker that just was dominant? Shane for, Conlon? Yeah, Shane Conlon. Shane Conlon. Anyway, he threw like five interceptions or something that game. Yeah, I think to, he did. Yeah, five. Yeah, he played, he played the worst game of his career and the biggest yeah, game of his career. Exactly. And that's right. – to me, to me, that's how I view all athletes is how do you perform when it matters most – that's right. just that's how I view it. That's why the greatest living NBA player of all time, Robert Ory. Big shot, Bob. You hear about him all season long, but you need somebody to nail three three pointers in a row to keep you in it. Yeah, you, you want Robert Ory. Yeah, I'm I mean, joking th- obviously, but he, there should be a place for him though because he won I don't know how many NBA championships. I want to say five or six with I think three different teams. Oh, my God, the odds for teams when they would sign him, the odds in Vegas of winning a championship would just perceptibly get worse for the better and better for the house because he was he was just one of those guys. If you added him to your team, he he could do a lot of things. He was a center in college, so he could he could uh, move down into the low post. Great shooter, um, good defender. He was just an all he's one of those chess pieces that you have to have in championship basketball teams. Never going to be the one or two star, which I think we we all agree you need at least two stars really to win a championship generally. But he is one of those uh, pieces that you add that I think was was worth more than just the skills that Robert Ory had for whatever reason. Big shot, Bob. Big shot, Bob. All right, so that that about does it. I think we should... You didn't get my five. 
Oh, we need, yeah, we need Jeff Sipes. Oh, right. Lord, Mark. He's so, so well, dismissive of the non-talent. You, no, you, I'm really not. I'm just... You may see a theme to... here. My, mine's Matt Bosher, Mike Nugent, Sebastian Janikowski, Mason Crosby, and Alex Henry, of course. Well, kickers are important. God knows. Uh, of wow. those, Janikowski, I could actually probably help sure. you make an argument for. You know what's funny is three of those four are potential Hall of Fame NFL players. Yeah. I was jokingly yeah. looking at best college football kickers of all time. Mason Crosby, Mike Nugent, Sebastian Janikowski all had great NFL NFL careers. Yeah, Mike Nugent, I interviewed him when he was with, because he came in with the Jets, I think. And yeah. I interviewed him back when he was a Jet. And Janikowski, I mean... He, he still is Seabass is still in the league, right? Or did he finally retire? I, I think he's still. I think he. I think, he, still I think he's kicked around, but I don't think he actually. Pun intended. I don't think that he's anybody's guy. I don't think he's the guy anymore. But as but as but as recently as I think the season before, maybe not last season, which I still didn't with the watch Colts. Much he was with he was with somebody. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I I could certainly get on board with making an argument that of kickers of the kickers uh, that I'm familiar with in college football, Janikowski is at the top of the list of guys who were in in many ways game changers. Did he wide Plus, left or wide right? Yeah, he was no wide right was Jerry Thomas. There were so many and, of them. And there there are several guys. And then the the kid who was on the cover of Sports Illustrated who they brought in specifically to uh to uh go end left their long history <laughs> of wide right. Um and his name escapes me now, but uh no yeah, Janikowski was a was a beast. And then, you know, it's the that he he also had such a different look for a kicker and was a character that uh, he became a bit of a folk here. But he so went, like he was, guys. was he not the number one overall pick? No, he, he wasn't. He was he, number one, first round pick. First round pick. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But not number one overall. All right. Thank God. And our, I think the, that made the Raiders were the only team that have ever spent multiple first round picks on kickers because I think Ray Guy was a first round pick as well. Don't quote me. Great kicker. Oh, Ray Guy. There's a, football life thing on Ray Guy called the specialist or timeline or whatever one of those on your NFL game pass which is free until the end of May by the way uh, there's a store Ray Guy great great store he's a great athlete as well so there you go right. Ray Guy getting a lot of love alright good stuff right there uh, I just want to um, bring in some statistics some science so in the national championship year for Charlie Ward phenomenal oh, year phenomenal year mm -hmm. again I think I think statistics. We're in a day and age that we can actually do it, as opposed to just say, you know, this is what I think, and I think most people feel this way, and I don't think there's anything. I don't think there's any doubt about it. You know what I mean? I think we can actually. Uh, back well, that we up. can, but we did say your, you know, most dominant in your lifetime. You so we really did send it out there to you know what do you feel? Because I certainly don't think John Capaletti was better than Bo Jackson. It's just you know for me. Uh -huh. Fair enough. 27 touchdowns and four interceptions. That's pretty fun. That's pretty good. 100, a 157 passer rating. Don't know what that means. And he threw for 3,000 yards. And uh, in terms of rushing, he had uh, four touchdowns, 339 yards as well. So, I mean, that was a phenomenal year. Plus he, won the, plus, he won the national championship. No no argument that he is a was a really, really good to great college football player. Uh, Jameis' national championship year. He had 40 touchdowns to 10 interceptions. Yeah, that's good numbers for him. Four. Different game. 
Sure, totally different game. But, I mean, about the same percentage in terms of interception rate to touchdown rate. Mm-hmm. His quarterback rate was 184. Still don't know what that means. It's the square root of one <laughs> side of the triangle M- plus the other height, <laughs> side weight, of the triangle. How many siblings? The exact time of day the game occurred? I don't get any of that. He had four touchdowns as well rushing. He had 219 yards mm-hmm. rushing. And then, of course, he won a championship game as well. So, um, at any rate... At any rate, it's to me, I think it's arguable. I don't think it's hands down. I, I certainly respect your opinion. And uh, you saw what you saw with Charlie Ward, and you saw what you saw with uh, and, James. And admittedly, I watched more Charlie Ward games than I did Jameis Winston games. So probably has a lot to do with it. Same, Charlie Ward know, again, had a lot more to... steals than Jameis Winston. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> What's that? Charlie and Ward had a lot more... more steals than Jameis Winston. And I, and I think then there's the interesting... There, Certainly, the interesting discussion at the end of uh, his senior year, or Winston's, or when they went into the draft. I don't remember if he came out a year early. I'm sure he did, probably everybody. But you know, Winston and Mariota, and who's going to be the best pick, and blah 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 blah. And Charlie Ward, the discussion was, would he play professional football? Where would he go? Because no one thought he would be a first round draft choice, and he made the obviously the good choice to go to basketball. So there was off the field stuff that made them. Uh, uh, interesting guys to talk about. Yeah, hands down, uh, that might have been a little reactionary, uh, but I, I still think Charlie Ward, in my lifetime, um, had more of an impact on me as a great college football player. So John starts the show by saying he misspoke about Facebook Live, and he ends the show by saying hands down might have been a bit too much. I mean, he has it means a lot to you, doesn't it? Well, no, it means a lot. It, it, it's impressive to me. He, he's had a lot of introspective time on his and, hands. Yes. This has all changed me. And and this is, yeah, this is, I don't know who you are anymore. Well, you know what I'm, you know I'm going to do in a little bit? All right, so now we have to wrap it up, Johnny. Yeah, you know what I'm going to do in a little it, bit? Going to get in my car. T- what are you going can, to, can I finish the sentence? Can we just get in an argument? It'll be much more fun. I'm going to, a little bit later, get in my car and drive by a friend's house because it's her daughter's birthday, and she can't have a party, obviously, so we're all going to drive by honk horns and hold up happy birthdays. Oh, that's cool, man. Good for you. So I got something to do today, which is that first day in a while. Yeah, you get get out of the house. Yep. Remember well, to turn your recirculation on. Yeah, so happy birthday to Karis Williams, uh, though she will never listen to this podcast. That's very, very sweet, very kind, very wonderful. Outstanding. Yeah, oh, well, Great I tell you, this has changed me. I'm a, it, it, I'm a nurturing soul. You you really are. You're Not you're, being around people has done a lot to make me like people better. No, I know. It's great. It's great. That's that's the key, Johnny. That is the key. All right, Jeff. What's uh, Well, John, I'm going to ask you first. What's the grade for today? I think this was solid. What does so that mean? I'm going to give it, I'm gonna give it a B+. Plus. Wow. All right. You want to break down the, uh, you know, the two hosts? Uh, well, I think one of the hosts, uh, uh, solid A, and the other kind of an A minus. And I'll let you decide. Jeff, Taylor? What do I, you give it, I give it an A++. Excellent. Wow. Yeah, so it's great. That's Jeff's performance. A++, week in and week out. We're just... All right. Well, Jeff, thank you very much. He is A++ all the time. He will be... Be responsible, as always, for doing all of the work to get it dropped by uh, Tuesday morning, which it will be episode three. Except on the West Coast. Except for the hey, West I'm Coast. Preview, on that. I'm, I'm going to preview the next uh, the next talking point. And I just thought of this, and I'm going to do it anyway. Next week, I want to talk about uh, the NFL draft. 
And nice. so people want to chime in on who they think is going to be overall number one and some of the big names like the Tua's of the world, Justin Herbert, any of those people, where are they going to go? Maybe we should do a mock. As Niku and as typical as that is, we should do a mock with trades. Like with mock top trades. ten. Mock top ten with trades. Ah, shoot. Okay. No? I want 15 just because the Niners are in, thir- you know, 13. <laughs> mock top 13 <laughs> with trades. Mock top 13 or 15. 15 is a nice round number. Whatever, people. Just go on to the Facebook page or call into the podcast AFR at gmail.com and, and let us know who you think is going to go where in the draft. Podcast. We'll podcast. come up with a better AFR at gmail, right? No. Oh, yeah. yeah. Podcast AFR. You got it right. Podcast AFR at gmail.com for your comments. There it is. We want to hear from you. Take care, folks. See you next week. Be safe.